Kevin McCarthy has a history of saying things that he later denies having said, and when he is confronted with recordings of his own words, tries shamelessly to explain them away as being speculation or out of context. His latest embarrassing reversal is on the subject of Ukraine's defense against Russian aggression, which he described in 2015 as, quote, the greatest threat to European security since World War II, unquote. Now, he maintains that if he becomes Speaker of the House, we, quote, are not going to write a blank check to Ukraine, unquote. What does my Kevin, as former President Trump referred to him as, actually believe? Or is he simply a hollow man, headpiece filled with straw? I'm Griff Somke. And I'm Jay McKenzie. And this is the Did Nothing Wrong podcast. We rolled out the red carpet for Putin's regional ambitions. This administration has seesawed from an ill-advised courtship of Putin's Russia to scrambling to respond to Russia's illegal annexation of Crimea and a ground war in eastern Ukraine that continues today that's virtually unacknowledged by this White House. The challenge within Ukraine is the greatest threat to European security since World War II. It's time for America to step up, not back down. And that starts with providing Ukrainian fighting forces with lethal aid, McCarthy said. So that was Kevin McCarthy in 2015. Kevin McCarthy in 2022 would like a word with that fellow. <laughs> hmm. Kevin McCarthy seems to have changed his tune somewhat on how he feels about providing any sort of aid to Ukraine, actually. 2022 Kevin McCarthy warned Tuesday that the Republicans will not write a blank check for Ukraine if they win back the House majority. I think people are going to be sitting in a recession and they're not going to want to write a blank check to Ukraine. They just won't do it. It's not a free blank check. Huh. That's quite the different position this guy's got. Just a bit. So, Jay, what do you think might have caused that shift from a one could say a very hawkish position on Ukraine to a very dovish position on Ukraine. Probably Donald Trump and the people around him and the, the messaging that's been spreading. I think this is Kevin McCarthy, who said those things in 2015 when he wanted to be speaker. And he was right in 2015. He got it. He understood it. It may not be convenient or a happy thought for a lot of people on the left. Nobody really wants to talk about the things Obama got wrong. But I think Obama got Syria wrong. I think he got... Ukraine wrong. He, he read Putin wrong. I think McCarthy was right that Putin sees weakness and he exploits it. But that Kevin McCarthy is uh, in stark contrast to <laughs> 2022 Kevin McCarthy. He's taking talking points. He's putting a narrative out there that's just, it's a full 180 in some ways. And I don't think Kevin McCarthy forgot what he said in 2015. I think he's fully aware of what he's compromising here, who he is appeasing by mm -hmm. these statements. And the quote where that came out, it was uh, Punchbowl News, but they had a comment after it where they, they said, these comments from McCarthy could prompt the Biden administration to push for a full year of Ukraine aid during the lame duck. And then they add, McCarthy may privately welcome this, in fact. And I think they're probably right. 
it's just a, I think it's just a cynical power play. This is what Kevin McCarthy has to say and, and do to get the votes to be speaker and whatever he wants or doesn't want. I think he's pretty consistently showed that he is willing to do what it takes. He wants that position. He wants the power. He wants the standing in the party. And this is the way the party is moving. So there may be kind of a back and forth between what McCarthy says publicly and what is actually going on and and what he's pushing for behind the scenes. But I think these statements really open the door for people like Tucker and and Bannon and Alex Jones to go, okay, he said it. Now he's got to live up to the standard that he said. Okay, he said it. Go do it. Go make it happen, Kevin. And if he doesn't follow through with this, they're going to start pointing fingers and and they're going to start coming after him. And I'm inclined to agree with you that Kevin McCarthy knows what the right thing is to do on this issue. I mean, you look back at 2016, June 15th, where he's caught on a hot mic saying, Yes, he is. There's two people I think Putin pays, Rohrabacher and Trump. Now you fast forward a few years and he's on the Trump train. And you find yourself wondering, this is the, this is the compromise the man made. This is the part of his soul he had to sell to get to the point where he's at. And I guess it's worth it. He certainly thinks so. I can't imagine those kinds of compromises, I guess. Yeah. Well, I guess neither one of us can imagine being a politician, but <laughs> there's, I, I, I think we both uh, are pretty cynical about politics and we don't expect uh, politicians to tell us the truth or, or be honest brokers, but man, there's a level of cynicism here that yeah. So I've already voted. I voted early. I voted Democrat. My politics are not Kevin McCarthy's politics. I do not agree with House Republican agenda. And if you do, you do. I don't think either one of us want to get too deep in the weeds on actual politics here. It's not what we're about or trying to. Well, and I don't think that's what anyone's listening to it for. Yeah. There's enough people that are doing that. If you want to hear two white dudes talk about politics there's plenty of shows that there are far far too many and for whatever mm -hmm. you lean on whatever issues you prefer to talk about you you can go find that sure and that is not yeah and there's a lot of them and they're all really amazing and awesome and they sell a lot of mattresses for people you should definitely go listen to one of those shows this is not about kevin mccarthy's politics this is not about the house gop mm -hmm. agenda because agree or disagree i think arming ukraine and pushing back against russia goes beyond that kevin mccarthy used to agree with you yeah, and, and I think he still does. That's, that's I think, what gets me here and why he is the hollow man, because I, I do think he gets it because he's gotten it for a long time and he's said the right things and he understood it in 2015. And he's still more concerned with staying in power. He's, he's more concerned with yeah. being speaker and he knows who Trump is and what Trump is and he can downplay it and deny it and all of this, but this is a cynical power grab and it is going to empower our enemies. And God forbid if Trump wins in 2024, it's not going to be good for this country, but I guess it'll be good for Kevin McCarthy. We're trying to be honest and I want to look at what Kevin McCarthy said in 2015 and say, hell yeah, you get it. You're a guy who understands the threat and what we're up against and what we need to do about it. And then I see Kevin McCarthy in 2022 and I think, what the fuck, man? <laughs> like, what What are you doing? They got to that guy. That guy, they either got to him <laughs> or that guy made a very cynical, calculated political decision that his caucus wants 
this thing and he's he still wants to be speaker so he's going to go along with what his caucus wants and i think we both know it's bad but it's going to get worse this is a whole new one here this is a whole new level with this guy because like here's this guy coming out with an absolutely great take on the issue in 2015 and as more of a leftist myself i find myself looking back at it and saying yeah it's pretty obvious with the benefit of hindsight that relations with russia all across the board are one of the things obama got wrong and now to see that this guy who had it right then has completely flipped and now he's on the other side of this whole thing you find yourself thinking like wow what kind of craven awful ploy is this but i guess i can't really blame him because if the republicans end up taking the house which looks likely at this point he's going to get a speakership challenge and it's going to be an mtg or somebody like that and he's going to need to be on the record saying these kinds of things in order to get the rank and file to vote for him so i see it but (sighs) i'm sure there's part of him that maybe in private maybe even argues that well i'm just gonna say these things but i don't really mean them or okay i've made these compromises but look what the alternative is and yeah the alternative is jim jordan mtg matt gates There are certainly more establishment options out there, but I'm not sure that they can win anymore. And if they can, I don't know how long they can hold on to it because really anybody who goes up against Trump in any sort of meaningful way, they're going to get shoved out. The wind's changed. It's the party of Trump now. Anybody else, DeSantis, whoever it is, who's trying to claw their way in has a steep hill (laughs) to surmount there. He needs votes from all these other really fringe candidates that are going to be in Congress soon, unfortunately, some of whom were helped along by Democrats in, uh, in a cynical election ploy, which... Starting to look worse and yeah, worse by is. the day. It is. It's not good. I think McCarthy can read the room, and he understands that this MAGA wing of the GOP is ascendant. There's still a minority, and it's even a fairly small minority of House Republicans who are going to say we need to stop arming Ukraine, they're really going to come out and forcefully be against this. But they do exist. More are coming. More are on the way pretty soon. This is still being talked about as a fringe thing, but it's, you know, if you remember the anti-war left through the Cold War, well, that's on the right now. And some people on the left, it's going to be a thing regardless. But if Trump is president again, it's going to be much worse. And Mm -hmm. if people like Kevin McCarthy keep shrugging, then it's also going to keep getting worse. Remember 2017 where we saw like sort of, I'm going to say the first stirrings of this outside of like Rand Paul and people like him. 2017, there was the rally and the whole push against serious strikes. Some people, obviously it was, you know, a very craven political move, but there were people on the right that, we're very anti-war, and it, that's not historically the kind of thing anyone on the right has said sure. since I've been alive. But now you got right-wingers doing rallies about this. Yeah. And again, this is something that we, we keep going back to. Right-wing media just skews in this direction. And I, and I think even the, mm-hmm. the mainstream media articles that I see on this, they're hinting at it. They're certainly mentioning, hey, there's this pro-Putin or at least advancing Putin's agenda wing of of MAGA, of the Republican Party. 
I think you have to read these takes all day. I think you have to understand what are the Kremlin talking points and then remember how often these are being repeated on social media, on podcasts, on the things that the vast majority of Republican voters are listening to and getting their news from. We've seen this before. QAnon started off as this weird fringe thing that very few people got or understood or paid attention to, but it was pretty clear that it was going to gain steam and it was coming down the road and then it sort of... It became part of the mainstream. It became part of the culture. It did. It did. And then there's that whole, the people who aren't QAnon supporters or at least don't publicly admit it, but they have, it's the QAnon light. We have all the same talking points, but I don't want the QAnon baggage. And when people listen to me, they know... They know what I'm talking about. They may not necessarily say the words Q or even necessarily believe that there is a government insider with a Q clearance that is leaking information, but they believe it's something like that and they don't have a problem repeating a lot of the stuff. They still love Mike Flynn to death. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Who, of course, denies doing the QAnon pledge, even though he's on video. (laughs) He's on video doing the QAnon fucking pledge. I'm sure it's a deep fake. Oh, God. When they when those get more prolific and they're out there more, oh, my God. We are, we are already almost at that point now. It's going to get worse. I think that from a big money perspective, from a large corporate donor perspective, Kevin McCarthy is still the more appealing alternative that you want out there. You've got Marjorie Taylor Greene on the record saying that, you know, a GOP-led House will start investigating companies that stop donating to Republicans after the Capitol riot. There's a lot of big corporations that, that did that, at least from a very performative sense. Some of it was very short-lived, but there were some, some big ones. It yeah. was a narrative they had to get behind for at least a few minutes. And now this person who could end up being Speaker and will have some sort of leadership role in a Republican-led House is saying, we're going to investigate you why you stopped giving us money. I can see why you wouldn't want that person anywhere near the levers of power at this point. Yeah, and Kevin McCarthy is uh, is establishment enough that he can keep the money flowing. And maybe that's part of the reason Trump and people around him can put up with him, even with all these past statements where, yeah, like you said, McCarthy said that Putin pays Trump. And then, of course, McCarthy was confronted with this by reporters and he denied saying it. And then they played him the tape and then he said, oh, no, no, it's just a it's it's a joke. It's a joke. I was kidding. Yeah. Just just funny. Despite the fact that on the on the tape, he says, I think there's two people. I think Putin pays Rohrbacher and Trump. And then then Paul Ryan shushes him and says, no, we're all just family around here. And McCarthy says, swear to God. (laughs) Um, Totally. Yeah. So just just, just a joke, guys. But but. McCarthy's done this before he's he after January 6 he criticized Trump he said Trump bears some responsibility for the violence and he made it clear that hey this was not Black Lives Matter or Antifa this was Trump supporters and people in Congress and Trump himself urged them on then later on it gets revealed that McCarthy had floated the idea of Trump resigning and he said Mm -hmm. something like I'm sick of this guy and once again, McCarthy denied it. And then and then there was a tape and he explained it away as it just talking in hypotheticals and just playing out certain scenarios that could happen. Like, oh, those are my words, but you've taken them out of context. <laughs> so why does <laughs> so why does Trump put up with that? Why do his supporters put up with that? Well, I think. Yeah, like we're saying, the, the money is still flowing to Republican campaigns 
they still want to win elections. They they need money as much as anyone needs money to run a political campaign at this point. Yeah, it's it's just what it is. You need a lot. You need your talking points and your agenda. Well, agendas. I don't know. <laughs> your trolls. <laughs> your uh, your shit posting. You need your bomb throwers, but you also need your big corporate donations because if you don't have that, it's going to be incredibly hard to buy those ads last minute in various key races and win them. They still keep playing those TV ads for a reason, right? Uh-huh. It they, works. Uh, they work. It works. Yeah. And now it's YouTube ads and internet ads. You're seeing the new media ads and essentially this is the kind of thing. I mean, it may be new media, but it's old money. The money doesn't change. You have to have enough money to pay canvassers on the ground in Florida to go out and, you know, wear Rubio shirts and hats and get beat up. You have to do any number of things and, you know, large amounts of corporate cash could definitely help there. You mentioned the attack on a Republican Operative. Yes. I, I think Marco Rubio called him a volunteer, but he was he's being paid by the Republican Party. So who was who was attacked? Um, Definitely attacked. Under, and there's no place for political violence in this country. I condemn there is that. Not. We condemn that. We condemn that. Absolutely condemn that in the strongest possible terms. No one should beat up political operatives for doing political activity. That should not be done. Agreed completely. But the circumstances of this attack are very unclear. And Marco Rubio is the reason that this uncertainty even exists, because he said that this was politically motivated. And there is still no evidence other than Marco Rubio said that that is the case. Right. The attacker's mom is a registered Republican. She says the kids never voted in his life. And based on his felony record, I don't have too much of a hard time believing that he never actually voted because... I don't know how they do voting rights in Florida specifically when it comes to felonies, but this kid has been committing felonies since the time he was about 16. So probably. But then you look at Rubio and what he's saying and, and his comments, and it's very Trumpy. It's um, it's criticizing the media. I don't I don't think he said fake news media, but he he essentially put it in those those terms of you can't believe the media because they're. They're just selling you another line. Shame on the media um, for victim blaming. Yep, yeah, yeah. And we we have our own our own issues and criticisms of the media, but what Rubio is doing right now is not honest. But it is Trumpy. Mm-hmm. It's it's a choice. Uh, everybody has made choices. We are where we are because yeah, the mainstream media has made some choices to get some coverage wrong and say some mm-hmm. things that they shouldn't have said or the way they shouldn't have said them. But it opened the door when they start doing that for people like Marco Rubio to say, this is the media making it up. And I mean, to be fair, the media tried to go interview this kid in the hospital and the Proud Boys that were watching his room wouldn't let them. Yeah. So, you know, draw your own conclusions there. But at the same time, the media sort of did this to themselves in a lot of ways. The idea that you stop being reliable you start printing things that you shouldn't necessarily print going with things on tv that aren't necessarily true that might serve an agenda and someone else is going to come along with another agenda it opens up a door and that's not a good it does and trump just went headfirst into that door and people kept coming in behind him and here we are but it's still worth saying that it's a choice and mccarthy's move towards these more trumpy behaviors and talking points and what he's selling, okay, it might keep him in power. It might get him the speakership if the Republicans take the House, but if he wants to keep it, what's the next compromise? What's the next thing that, that he's willing to give up? What's the next personally held belief that he's he's willing to either compromise on or just forget about? How many more knees has he got left to bend? Yeah, 
I think we expect a cynicism, but I think when you look back at what he's willing to do, it's it's not good. He, he was right when he said in 2015, the challenge within Ukraine is the greatest threat to European security since World War II. It's a great day. Absolutely. That's a great quote. It's it's right on the money. He he nailed it. But now, seven years later, nothing really has changed. Some of the people in charge and some of the players on the ground. And yeah, the Russians have uh, put a lot more troops in Ukraine. And it's, it's a much bigger conflict than it was. But that threat is the same. Mm-hmm. And Kevin McCarthy just doesn't care anymore. Yeah, I mean, he's obviously fine with kicking that can down the road at least another seven years or whatever. And seeing what Putin's up to in seven years, if we cut aid to Ukraine now, how's that look? Yeah, if we start cutting aid to Ukraine or we start chipping away at it or we start giving in to, well, we we, we can't write a blank check, so we've got to check this, we've got to check that. We can't send those. We can't can't send as many of these. We okay, we can provide the weapons, but we can't help you rebuild your school or your hospital or whatever it is. Well, okay. And and like you said, what's that going to look like? And what's, if we're going to make the compromises today, what compromises is it, is it going to be in six months or a year or two years? If Trump, God forbid, gets reelected and Kevin wants to stay on as speaker, Maybe they don't let him. Maybe that is the time that MTG or one of that crowd manages to take right. the job from him. But if he wants to keep it, what's he going to give up then? And what's what's the world going to look like? Mm-hmm. I mean, at some point, they're going to take Poland. So what then? <laughs> I mean, is that what we're waiting for? I think it's easy for people to forget what this war would look like without all this aid to Ukraine. Yes, Russia has embarrassed itself and been halted and... It has been a disaster for the Russians. But imagine a scenario where the U.S. pulls out all of its aid to Ukraine and the rest of NATO starts dropping off as well. And then China and Iran up their aid to Russia. Slowly but surely, the tide is, is going to turn and shift. The front lines are not frozen, but it is a sort of war of attrition at this point. It is kind of, they're all bogged down and Ukraine did get a, you know, temporarily they made some big gains for a few weeks, but then that that has slowed down considerably, mm-hmm. and the Russians have made a few gains in the south. But if there's a dramatic shift, if the Ukrainians no longer have the bombs that they need, the ammunition that they need, everything else that goes into fighting this war, and Russia gets more help or at least time to train and reorganize and resupply, then the ending to this is not predetermined. It's not been decided. We could still be in the very early days. And if we waver, the the historical implications of letting Putin get away with this are not good. They're not good. It, it's hard to overstate how not good they are. Uh-huh. This is, you hate to make any comparisons to anything that's happened in the past. It's a little cliche. It's a little trite to do that, I think. But if you stop this now, or at least hold this up now, if this is where the line holds, the outcome for the world is going to be a whole lot better than if the line doesn't hold here. Because literally, what's next? It's Ukraine falls. It's Poland. It's Estonia. It's all the Baltic states. Mm-hmm. It's who knows? Yeah. And we are in, I would say, I think that the United States, the West, the Baltics, everybody would like to make sure this stops here. Obviously, the Ukrainians agree with that. 
this is the end of it. This is as far as we're going to let this guy go. And any more territory, any more gains that they make is only going to cause more harm to the security order, to the stability of the world. This is where it's got to stop if it can be stopped here. And I think the way to stop it here is to keep giving the Ukrainians what they need to fight this war, whatever that looks like. I think that's the answer. Just keep, keep fighting, keep letting them fight. I mean, the the time to stop it was 2016 or 2017 or 2008 or now (laughs) (laughs) or yeah. Yeah. I mean, the best time would have been years ago. The the second best time is now. Right. It needs to stop and it needs to stop as soon as we can make it stop. And the way we make it stop is to give the folks that are willing to give their time, their energy, their lives to fight this thing, what they need to do that. You know? Yeah. I mean, the old cliche about we fight them over there so we don't have to fight them over here. Well, there's some truth to that. There is. Yeah. And uh, Ukraine's willing to fight Mm -hmm. and they're fighting well. Yeah, it does take money. And yes, there's always another way that you could spend your money. But you look at down the road and if, if Ukraine can't keep fighting, if we don't let them win this war or at least end it in some sort of forced peace or whatever it is, we may be paying a whole lot more money. How, how much money are we going to pay to go defend Poland? Yeah. How, what's that going to cost? What are we going to have to spend to keep the Chinese out of Taiwan? Yeah, or the next place. Or maybe they take Taiwan and then it's, and then it's what? Is it Japan? Yeah. Is it South Korea? I, <laughs> the Philippines? Any number of places that China's had nose into for a while. So yeah, this is something that needs to end. And I think it can go a long ways towards ending if the Ukrainians are supported and if they get what they need to, to win this war. And we've been building to this sentiment for years now. Trump accelerated it and people just keep choosing not to stop it. But they really should. We see what these talking points are and, and we know that it's working on voters and we know it's going to build. So it's... Like you think it's one compromise here. You think you're just no, we're not we're not stopping the aid. We're just we just wanna have oversight. We just wanna see We don't wanna give them a blank check. We just want oversight. Yeah. This is how it starts mm-hmm. and this is how you open the door. Kevin McCarthy opened the door in twenty sixteen and in that room with Paul Ryan when they just decided that yeah, yeah, maybe maybe Putin does pay Trump, but we know who these guys are and we don't care. Yeah, the party winning and all of that was more important. That's how it starts and where it ends is some some other January 6 type event, but maybe worse. Yeah, the road to hell as it were paved with compromise. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there are no there are no good intentions here. There are just cynical power plays and uh yeah, it's not good. So I think I think it's easy to him and haw and well Kevin McCarthy, he's just, he's not great, and this compromise isn't great, but he's still better than the alternative. Well, maybe he's not. Maybe it would be better if they're going to have the House to have an MTG or Matt Gates as Speaker, because at least that way you see their face. You know where the party's at these days. There's no sort of veneer of respectability on it. Well, all we can say is we know that Kevin McCarthy is willing to compromise on just about anything because consistently when he lets that mask down and we see what he really thinks and what he really feels about Trump, he is 
more than willing to deny it and attack the people who say it and make sure that he gets back on side with Trump. So if he's done it, well, fool me once. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening to the Did Nothing Wrong podcast. If you want to hear more, you can go to didnothingwrongpod.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at James, the word four, and the letter M, all one word, and Grizza, B-J-J, G-R-Z-A, B-J-J, as well as D-N-W pod. Thanks again for tuning in. And remember, everyone mentioned did nothing wrong. <laughs>